feeling that something in this world just wasn't right, whether it had to do with politics or government or the judicial system or even big business practices, then we might have a sense of what the people that Jesus was talking to uh, might have been feeling because something like this was happening in their world. Dr. Lanza, in his commentary, Gospel Light, says that the people were being misruled by their government. There was exploitation of the poor, injustice, uh, heavy taxes, extortion by government officials, and many people were hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And so they dreamed of a day when there would be honest officials and that there would be um, God's rule, shall we say, on earth. Some people are still hoping for that, aren't they? So this may have been part of why Jesus chose to speak to this particular thing. And by the way, we we think probably what happened is this is like one line of a whole sermon he gave on this subject, but this somebody jotted down a note or they had this in their memory that he spoke about this. But anyway, the, the thought that um, he was perhaps saying I understand how you feel about this world and how the outer kingdom this world can seem so unjust but if we look at the whole of Jesus teachings we would probably realize that he would have followed that up then with another way of looking at this um, and, and because his focus was on the inner kingdom in so many instances and there were those who, uh, during his ministry, thought that he had come to set up an outer kingdom, be another great king for them. Um, maybe like David or Solomon of old, and somehow the greatness of the past would, would, would be established again. Even some of the disciples thought that this was Jesus' purpose. But his response to this kind of thinking was that his kingdom was not of this world. And that um, when we're talking about hungering and thirsting and, and wanting peace, that he was speaking of my peace, a peace that the world cannot give, and on the other hand, a peace that the world cannot take away. So though I am sure that he felt compassion for those who were feeling oppressed in, in his audience, my sense is that he would bring the emphasis to the inner kingdom. And um, this is a good thing for us to keep in mind if we're concerned about our world situation today. The word righteousness in Scripture, both in Old Testament and New Testament, is used in two ways. One is the judicial sense and the other is the religious sense. In common speech, the word, uh, the way it was used in the judicial application would, would, be, would fit. In other words, if someone was judged right in, in the court system, they would be considered righteous. However, in religious terminology, the word righteous meant compliance with divine will or obedience to divine law. For example, in Psalms 89, verse 14, says it this way, Thy throne is built on righteousness and judgment. Mercy and truth go before thy face. So it was this thinking that, that righteousness was based on the will of God or the law of God. 
Now, for us, when we think about the word righteous, if we put a couple of hyphens in it, in the word righteousness, we come up with right useness. Right useness of what? Right useness of divine law or divine principle. In Unity's book, The Revealing Word, which has a definition of metaphysical definition for words such as this, righteousness is defined as a state of harmony established in consciousness through the right use of God-given attributes. Truth working in consciousness brings forth the perfect salvation of the whole man, spirit, soul, body, and righteousness, right relation, is expressed in all his affairs. And then going to another uh, major book in, in Unity's uh, um, library, Your Hope of Glory by Elizabeth Van Turner. By the way, she has one on the Old Testament and one on the New Testament, and Your Hope of Glory is the New Testament. And she says, Righteousness is the right or spiritual use of mental, physical, and spiritual faculties which are manifested as right action. When our desire to express the Christ is more powerful than our desire for personal gain or for personal power, we are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The promise is that we shall be filled. That is, our desire shall be satisfied by divine love and divine life. There's a story that's told in different ways, but the way I've heard it is, there's a student who came to the Buddha and asked how to receive enlightenment. And the Buddha took the student to the river and held his head under the water and came up gasping and and uh, the Buddha asked what was your thought when you were drowning what did you desire most and he said air and Buddha said when you want enlightenment as much as you wanted air you will have it you will get it and so it is in life in fact this is perhaps what Jesus was saying when we hunger and thirst after righteousness we will have it when we make that our focal point we will have it fulfillment is the result of wanting it wanting it at the exclusion of anything else wanting to understand who we are wanting to understand spiritual principle to such an extent that it's never far from our thoughts it's uppermost in whatever we do and whatever we say we want it more than anything when we want it more than anything we will have it maybe you've heard that saying when someone wasn't maybe um, really doing something toward a goal that they said they wanted to achieve that um, that they weren't hungry enough in other words they they didn't have a deep enough desire for whatever it was well so it is with spiritual enlightenment we all want spiritual enlightenment we wouldn't be here today if we didn't that's what has drawn us to our spiritual search so we want enlightenment but when it becomes our primary goal and we thirst for it then we will have it we're being told righteousness is not just right outer action people can can um, observe all the outer laws and, and the commandments and, um, and so on 
and and not have righteousness, not understand the right use of spiritual principle. So what we're talking about, and, and there's a key teaching that we have in unity and in New Thought as a whole, and that is that our life is a mirror. It shows back to us what's going on in our thoughts and in our beliefs. It's really kind of shocking, kind of startling to think to ourselves, this is what I wanted. What is showing up is what I wanted. This is what I've been hungering and thirsting for at some point. And I either haven't changed what I've been hungering and thirsting for, or or I need an adjustment, a readjustment here. So whatever shows up in our in our life, in the outer area of our life, is the expression. But within is always being expressed, pressed out from what's within. We're seeing an outpicturing of what's going on in our inner thoughts and beliefs. And so it's, it's kind of, it's a wake-up call to us. And we shouldn't be beating ourselves up when we have this experience where all of a sudden we see something showing up in our life and we're realizing, oh, I planted the seed for this. There's no guilt, no beating ourselves up over this, but it's just a matter of, okay, I don't want this anymore. You know, we are co-creators. That's what we are. No one else creates our experience for us. We're co-creators. And so to get discouraged and to not take a positive approach when we see the results of what we've been thinking and feeling isn't going to change anything. What's going to change something is when we realize that the same power that we use to set that into motion is the same power that we will be using when we make a different choice. We don't have dominion and authority over other people and over things that are happening in the world in in the majority of cases. We do have dominion and power over what's going on in the inner. And we do have dominion and power over the self-talk. And some of us mistake self-talk for thinking. Are you with me? It's not thinking. It's just self-talk. It's just ruminating but but that is very powerful and self-talk directs the energy flow as well as the deliberate choice that we make remember whatever we're focusing on is what we are hungering and thirsting after so it's just, it's a wake-up call to us what are we focusing on and is that what we really want and if not guess what yippee we get to make a change. Wherever thought goes, energy flows. That's just a, a truism. And another truism is, as within, so without. Jesus indicated that it takes more than just saying his name, Lord, Lord, to do the great work. It takes righteousness. In other words, it's not self-righteousness, but righteousness in the sense of being in right relationship with our God self, with our good self, with our higher self. And that's what leads to fulfillment. It's, it's always expressed from within to the without. Emmett Fox writes in his book, The Sermon on the Mount, 
The great law of the universe is this. What you think in your mind, you will produce in your experience. As within, so without. You cannot think one thing and produce another if you want to control your circumstances for harmony and happiness. You must first control your thoughts for harmony and happiness. If you want health, you must first think health. And remember, thinking health does not mean merely thinking a healthy body. This is really good stuff. What he's saying is very good stuff. Not just thinking a healthy body. Important as that is, it also includes thinking peace and contentment and goodwill to all. For destructive emotion is one of the primary causes of disease. If you want spiritual unfoldment and growth in the knowledge of God, you must think spiritual thoughts, God thoughts, and give your attention, which is your life, to God rather than limitation. So what he's saying is here, we must hunger and thirst after healthy thoughts, after positive thoughts, after thoughts of wholeness and holiness and weed out the words and the thoughts that do not line up with health and wholeness. You know, people have those sayings about something giving them a pain in the whatever. Oh, well, I don't know what you were thinking. Whatever. Or, or saying that something just kills them. Is this lining up with health? I don't think so. I don't think so. When we hunger and thirst for wholeness, which means wholeness in all areas of life, and wholeness is never far from our thoughts and definitely not far from our words, then when that's our focus, that is going to result in our fulfillment. Again, quoting Emmett Fox, because that is a great little book, by the way, Sermon on the Mount. If you want prosperity, you must first think prosperity thoughts, and then make a habit of doing so. For the thing that keeps most people poor is the sure habit of poverty thinking. Wow, isn't that a good thought? And again, reminding us, we must hunger and thirst for prosperity. Focus on it. Make ourself talk about this. Um, make sure our self-talk is about our being deserving and worthy and never leaving anybody else out of that circle either. Um, what we want for ourselves, we want for everyone. And, and make sure that everything we do is in alignment with this. Don't, don't misuse the... The, what what we've been given uh, now, you know, and think, oh, I'm going to get better habits when I have more. No. We start with the good habits right where we are. Practice the prosperity principles that we know right here, right now. Make good use of the law of abundance. And then spiritual fulfillment comes. It only comes after we hunger and thirst for it. I think of people with great inventions, scientists and so on. Wasn't it Tesla who found the answer he was seeking as he was looking in a fireplace and he saw the atom coming in a circle? 
what he was desiring was not far from his mind and so he saw the answer in everything and so it is in our life when we hunger and thought thirst in other words what we are seeking is not far from our thoughts all the time then it cannot help but show up in our life and what we have been hungering and thirsting for is showing up now and again the good news is we get to make new choices so the beatitude or the attitude for being here that brings fulfillment is hungering and thirsting after right attitudes right words right actions and um, and keeping in alignment with the truth that we know and making our self-talk self-talk with a capital S so that there is a conversation with our higher self at all times and what is the reward of this we will be fulfilled the secret of spiritual growth that is meditating on this this lesson this is what came to me the secret of spiritual growth is spiritual appetite we can't have it with, without the appetite for it and the other important thing is what we seek we already have and essentially it's already a part of us it's a matter of understanding it and allowing it to express manifest so god bless you as you make some new choices